You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 292. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. Got a lot to get to in this episode. We will cover CJGJ's uh, lacerated kidney, uh, where the Eagles stand after that. We'll get to some other injury stuff. Jordan Davis, Valde Maddox, Dallas Goddard, etc. We'll uh, sort of recap a little bit late, but we'll recap the Eagles-Packers game. We'll get to a preview of Eagles-Titans, and we'll make our picks uh, for the Eagles and the NFC East and the Saints. But before we get to all that, Brandon, first of all, how you doing, buddy? And what do you what do you have to tell us? Jimmy, uh, we're kind of back on our, our BS, if you will, our one show per week schedule as opposed to the two we we're splitting up, just because uh, I'll take the blame. Uh, just, you know, scheduling, it's been more convenient to do the one so sorry about that i think we're going to try to aim to do you know do the two when we can um but before we get into this hey today's show i have to mention that since it is a preview show in addition to a recap show that bgn radio is brought to you by our presenting sponsor DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl it is the place to go when betting on the NFL this holiday season, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 5Questions. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free that's if they do, that's code five questions only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Jimmy, I listened back to the disclaimer last week that I did that I'm about to do right now. Uh-huh. And, I, and I did think I did a good job with it. So let's see. Yeah, if I, I thought can... it was good. Thank you. Uh, and I pressure's you know, on to keep the. I, I mean, yeah. it's not just about having one good game. That's right. And then, and then that's it. it. You got to be consistent. That's true. So here we go. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost for eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Give it a solid A minus. Okay. So I can do a little better. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You can't like, you know, give you the great, you got to right. leave some room for, mm-hmm. uh, for improvement. Can't just, you know, can't let you rest on your laurels. All right. Uh, big news coming out of the Eagles Packers game was of course the CJ GJ 
Chauncey Gordon Johnson, in case you're unfamiliar with that nickname. Uh, injury, who he lacerated his kidney. He looked messed up on the field, dude. Like, yeah. after that hit, he was down on the ground for a while. It went to commercial break, so if you weren't at the game, you didn't see that. But he, he couldn't get up for a while. And then when he finally did, he looked bad, like, being helped off the field. And then even when he was getting carted in, he was doubled over in pain. Mm-hmm. They originally classified it as a rib injury, and there may still be ribs as part of the injury. It's sort of unclear. Jeff McLean uh, had said that I I think that was not the case, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Anyway, well, the the main part of the injury became, uh, you know, whether the ribs are involved or not, a lacerated kidney, which, by the way, the... Just the the word yeah. lacerated. Oh, it sounds <laughs> it just bad. Sounds, it just sounds so bad. And clearly it sounds very painful. And obviously it was uh, just by watching him you know, suffer from that injury after it happened. Uh, but he's out. And to be determined how long that'll be for, this is a guy who is still uh, leading the NFL with six interceptions this season. He's had he's been an impact player uh, for the Eagles defense, frankly, uh, and has made a lot of big plays. A lot of them were just him sort of being in the right place at the right time. But there's something to be said for that. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's obviously had a great season and was replaced in the lineup by Reed Blankenship, who I believe that you and I both can take credit for uh, being high on the Blankenship train uh, all throughout training camp in the preseason. So uh, you all owe us the praise for Reed Blankenship as opposed to Reed Blankenship himself uh, for the way <laughs> for the way that he played. That's right. I'm, I'm just kidding, of course, for the way that he played on Sunday mm-hmm. night. But what did you see from Reed uh, in, in that game? Yeah, I mean, I think Bo Wolf, you know, he that was like his training camp crust. I think, and I think you both you and him uh, were on it earlier than me. Um, just I, I hold think, on. I'll I'll take this step back. Well, I mean, you further. from a standpoint of yeah, you like going back to his college, but I mean, in the context <laughs> of like training camp. Yeah. Um. So yeah, originally you from like the 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 prospect standpoint. Um. Bo yeah. maybe from it. You know, like he. I think he definitively like declared him as his training camp crush. Mm-hmm. I would say though, I like have been banging the drum the hardest for him. Like since <laughs> you know the pre- I've been saying, why is Kayvon Wallace the third safety? It should be Reed Blankenship. Uh, I think I was beating that drum the loudest. Um, so I think we can all take credit here in different ways. Now but- I'm taking the mo- I'm taking the most credit because I profiled him as a prospect in 2020, and then again in 2021. Well, what does that mean it, though? I mean, you did it, it means once. that why I was in on him. You didn't even know who he was until a few months ago. I've been on this guy for no, two I get years. That, but like, I don't know why doing it twice <laughs> means anything. I would just say you've done it since 2020. The second time it doesn't means mean anything. To he, me. You did it. It since means he was on my radar uh, consistently and for a long period of time. Well, I mean, if he's on your radar uh, once, he's on your radar forever. I feel like you guys have no argument here. He's my. I'm not guy. trying to take credit from you. I'm you just got, saying I don't. He's can't. my guy. Uh, anyway. I would rank it me, <laughs> Bo, and then you. Okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> no one cares anyway the point is uh ghost is his nickname uh some eagles teammates referred to him and uh, it's it's really funny i don't know if uh some so my friend zach he was telling me that during the game his friends his friends were calling him ghost and i don't know if they knew that or they just somehow came to that nickname on their own but in any case i do like that nickname for him um reed blankenship picking off Aaron Rodgers becoming the first undrafted rookie free agent to ever do so 
Aaron Rodgers has played like over 200 games and whatever 200 and whatever games and attempted yeah. like over 7,000 something passes. <laughs> like that's it. Blankenship becomes the first, and it was not like a fluky interception. Uh, like the way you know Josiah Scotts was a tip ball. Um, like Reed Blankenship made a great play, and like, I was just I was super impressed by that. It, I, I said the RJ and the NFC East mixtape, which came out earlier today, and you should listen to. Um, that reminded me of like Malcolm Butler picking up Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl mm. in terms of like, yeah, it's a good call. exploding to the ball out of nowhere yeah. and like holy crap, like that's an incredible interception. So, um, you know, I, I thought he showed some good promise early on, and I think that's not like a fluke in terms of what stood out to me so much in training camp wasn't just like the splash plays in terms of, or it, it was also uh, just being in the right place. I thought he, so often yes. he was at the right place, the right time. He just like such a savvy, smart player. Uh, so I definitely think there is something to that. And, you know, he also gave up that long touchdown. He took a bad angle to Christian Watson and maybe that wasn't all on him, but he certainly played a role in that. And I think you could see his athletic limitations on display, not being able to catch up to Christian Watson, who in fairness is incredibly fast. Um, but I think there's some reasonable hope he might be able to come in and give some decent production. Yeah. I mean, so when, when I look at his game, you mentioned the interception, um, Fran did a great Fran Duffy did a great job of sort of breaking down that play, but he did it more from the perspective of the the defense that was the the, the call that on the, the defensive call on that play, where they disguised uh, they made it look like it was going to be single high coverage with uh, Blankenship playing the single high role, and they sort of rotated into more of a two high look, um, and when Rogers threw it, he was expecting single high. It looked like and. Like you said, he exploded on that on that ball. The, the, it was intended for eighty four. I don't know who eighty four's name is, but when eighty four made his break to the inside, Blankenship, I mean, just immediately broke on that play and beat him to the spot. And I mean, that was a, like a legit, really, really nice interception. Uh, but more so, the instincts and mm-hmm. he trusted what he saw and he made and he and he acted on it. And you don't see that oftentimes from rookies, much less undrafted rookies. Great play by him. I thought he had two other really nice plays too. So there was a play where uh, Rodgers dropped back. Uh, it was play action to the running back. And then also another play action look on a receiver coming around the edge. So it was two fake handoffs. And he was looking for Christian Watson coming across from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen, um, from the left side of the field to the right side of the field, deep down the field. And Blankenship did not bite in any way on either of those play action looks was where he needed to be. It wasn't there. And Rogers took a sack. And then there was another play where uh, Reed's in the middle of the field and uh, it's a run play to Aaron Jones. He is running toward the line of scrimmage by like two or three steps before anyone else in the secondary reacts. So he had this undrafted rookie free agent who sees what's happening on this play way before anyone else on the defense and he tracks down Aaron Jones uh, near the sideline uh, for a gain of like one. I think it was second and ten at the time. And he put them in a third a third long situation. So just three really good plays from him. And then you mentioned the interception, or excuse me, not the interception, the the, the touchdown uh, to Christian Watson. He took a bad angle on that. And then as you mentioned, Christian Wat- Christian Watson's fast. He's ran a four three six, I believe, at the combine. Reed Blankenship ran a four five five, I believe, at Middle Tennessee State's pro day. And you saw the difference on the field on that where both he and Marcus Epps could not catch. 
uh, Christian Watson. So, you know, that's probably why part of the reason why he wasn't drafted. He's, he's certainly athletic His other like athletic testing measurables are fine, but just doesn't have great speed. He's going to have to rely on his instincts. He's going to have to adjust uh, to the speed of the game because you don't have athletes, uh, you know, that middle Tennessee state is playing on a week to week basis that you see in the NFL. So he's going to have to adjust to that, but I think a lot more good than bad in his first real NFL action in the regular defense. Yeah, so I would I would be willing to kind of see what he has, um, at least for now. Mm-hmm. I would not be like I don't think it's the situation where okay, uh, it's like what the Eagles kind of did at defensive tackle, <laughs> basically mm-hmm. with Jordan Davis going down. And they had to sign Sue and they had to sign Linval Joseph. I don't think it's that quite yet. Although, uh, very interesting that uh, John Clark, uh, I'd say friend of the show, um, sure for his takeoff podcast, uh, recently interviewed Malcolm Jenkins. And Jenkins was like, did not really rule out. Now this is before the CJGJ injury, to be clear, but he didn't really rule out, uh, you know, contributing in a stretch run kind of scenario. Uh, so what do you make of that? Do you think the Eagles will actually resign Malcolm Jenkins? I don't. There's some gray area there too because he's still. I mean, he's he signed a contract that did not expire when he retired. Yeah. So the, still, the Saints still yep. hold his rights. If he wanted to play, I'm sure the Saints would probably waive him. I think they'd have to have do to... right by him. I don't think you can get yeah. away with not uh, doing that. Yeah. And he'd have to clear waivers, um, which also, but I of course, nobody would be. Yeah, but nobody's going to claim him unless you know. Nobody's going to claim him unless they know he wants to play for them. So uh, I think the Eagles could bring him back if they really wanted to make that happen. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you uh, in that. I think you roll with Reed Blankenship for now, and mm-hmm. you wait for C.J. Gardner Johnson to come back. And I think this also ties into the the severity of this injury, which yeah. is very difficult to predict. Right. So this is not like an ACL where you know a player is going to be back in nine months, or an Achilles where it's going to be you know seven eight months or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, very it, it's it's a very uh, it's not. It's not very uncommon. They do happen. Like Keenan Allen um, and Andrew Luck both lacerated their kidneys in 2015. Zach Ertz lacerated a kidney in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keenan Allen and Andrew Luck missed the rest of the season after they lacerated their kidneys. They both missed at least seven games. I believe Luck missed seven. Uh, Keenan Allen missed eight. Ertz missed one game and came back and played in a playoff game. So. There are different – I talked to a urologist actually. We're recording this on, on Wednesday. I talked to him uh, Tuesday night, and he explained there's – you know, like with any injury, really, there's different grades. There's grade one, two, three, four, and five. Grade five kidney uh, injury is basically like the kidney's got to go. Yikes. Uh, grade one uh, la- kidney laceration is basically just a, a bruise. So I don't know. We don't know like what grade of injury that um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has, but – if it's just a bruise, then he can come back. I don't know if they would have called it a kidney laceration if it were just a bruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the timetable is a lot shorter that way. Andrew Luck, when he lacerated his kidney, it was originally diagnosed, not diagnosed, but uh, the timetable for return was two to six weeks, which is already kind of a long range anyway. But his kidney took longer to heal than was anticipated and again he missed the rest of the season so it's an injury that's very difficult to pinpoint 
uh, the return. And you're not going to hear the Eagles aren't going to reveal much in the way of injuries as it is. But mm-hmm. especially in this case, it's going to be very difficult for them to even know when he's going to be back. So if he may or may not go on injured reserve this week. If he does go on injured reserve, then we know he's going to miss at least the next four games. It but seems like he if should. he doesn't, what's that? It seems like he should, shouldn't he? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the, yeah. should he play it safe like that? They should. I mean, because it's just regular season games at this point. Yeah. Like, Zach Ertz came back for a playoff game and, and did so against um, the recommendations from doctors, too, is my understanding. Right. Uh, but, but. Just because if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson doesn't go on IR, it doesn't mean that he'll be back within the next four weeks. Because right. it's just again, it's such a difficult injury uh, to to set a timetable on. So again, they'll they'll they certainly they'll have a better idea than you and I, of course, on how long they think the recovery will be, and that would play a part that would factor into whether they add another safety or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have Kayvon Wallace who. Reed Blankage jumped uh, in the pecking order to become the number three safety. And they have Andre Sachere, who they yep. added to the regular roster three weeks ago. There are other guys around the, around the league that you can maybe add. It'd be easier to add them, like Landon Collins, for example, who's probably more of a linebacker than a safety at this point in his career. He's on the Giants uh, practice squad. Mm-hmm. They have another guy that I forget his name off the top of my head, but uh, the, the Rams caught him like Terrell know, two, three weeks ago. Trail Burgess, thank you. And then there's he's you know, also on the Giants practice squad. Elijah Riley. Um, Elijah Riley is another one. Steelers who's he practice with the, squad. Uh, is he with the Jets? Steelers, okay. And who, somebody was with the Jets, too. That, that he used to be on the Jets. Of, I think there's somebody now oh. also on the Jets. Will Jared Parks? Maiden, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Ugo Amadi, who they, tra- who think, they yeah. traded for. The, I don't think he's going to be an option. No. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's slim pickings. And the Eagles have been in on safeties. At multiple points this year, of course, mm-hmm. they scoured the league when they traded for CJGJ. And then at the trade deadline, they had some interest in maybe trading for a safety, but they, you know, there just wasn't much available. So I'm with you. I, I do think they'll ultimately roll for, with Reed Blankenship for a while. For now. Um, yeah. No no need to hit a panic button if they play this game and he's getting torched. By the way, the three, so the three of their next four opponents are the Giants, Bears, Titan, well, I guess in order, we'll go Titans, Giants, uh, Bears. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the all three of those teams are in the top five in the NFL in terms of run pass ratio. They're very, they're all very run heavy teams. Um, so you can probably survive with a guy like Reed Blankenship in the short term because they're not teams that are really good at threatening down the down the field with their wide receivers. Yeah, I think CJ GJ losing him hurts. You know, because this is a guy who. It leads the NFL interceptions. And, you know, some of those have been, I think, fortuitous. But there is something to him making plays on the ball and being something of a ball magnet. Like, that That much has been consistent throughout his career. Um, so definitely a downgrade. And just from an athleticism standpoint, too, um, you know, from him down to, to Reed and then the depth. Although I did, I did think, for as much as I have been a Kevon Wallace detractor, thought he came in and gave the Eagles three quality snaps when he had to play at the end of that Packers game, broke up a pass, in the end zone to prevent a touchdown. So that was nice to see, especially when we haven't seen a lot of uh, flashes from him. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, not great. And just like the, the, the attrition here on the whole, you know, like you lost Jordan Davis, although he might come back, which we'll just talk, we'll talk about soon. Um, Goddard, 
Maddox. Like they keep they, they're taking on water a little bit on the injury front, which is just not ideal. Although you know these guys do have chances to return. It's not like they're all you know ACLs mm-hmm. and they're just done and they, there's zero chance they can come back. But the the thing is too, uh, if they do come back, you know it's a question of you know how mu- how much are they going to be like towards a hundred percent? Like you know how effective will they be? They might be able to be out there, um, you know, but are they going to be the same kind of uh, impact players? So that's that's something to wonder about. Uh, moving moving it along and going to Jordan Davis, he's eligible to return this week. Uh, Nick Sirianni was certainly not revealing at all when when being asked about uh, if he will be activated from injured reserve. Uh, you know, we'll see today, Wednesday. You know, if he if he would play this week, they would activate his practice window today. Um, mm-hmm. And they they really haven't. So it's it's interesting how they've handled that. I think more often than not this season, like I know with the Dillard injury return. Um, Sirianni kind of talked about how they didn't really feel comfortable throwing him into the fire right away. Um, that could be now, you know, in part because he's the backup and they have more of a luxury to kind of to wait on him. Although my lotto was kind of banged up at the time. So that's not necessarily uh, the case entirely. Um, but I think they feel like uh, ideally they want to kind of onboard the guy with a week of conditioning and then maybe activate him that second week. Uh, I think with... <laughs> their run defense, maybe they would be a little bit uh, motivated to try to, to jumpstart Jordan Davis here, but we don't know if he's ready to play. I know Jeff McLean had noted he had seen him kind of like jogging uh, in the tunnel after the Packers game. So that seems like a good sign, um, but we'll see. Yeah, he I, I saw him too. So he did run off the field and in through the tunnel and to the locker room. He ran. Okay. And uh, it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much you can tell from from that, but uh, I thought that was a, a good enough sign. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the rotation looks like too whenever he returns, because they've since they've added Linval Joseph, he's played really well and he's solidified their 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 rush defense when he's been in games. And um, I don't think you take him out of that role. I think that uh, you know certainly you give Jordan Davis some of those snaps back. Uh, but, you know, to keep Lindell Joseph snaps down as well, because, uh, you know, I don't think you want a 34-year-old uh, player playing, you know, over, you know, 30, 40 snaps per game. Uh, so he'll get some of those snaps. But it'll be interesting to see also how much Jordan Davis's um, role is expanded, because originally this season he was almost solely playing in those odd man no, fronts ex- as yes, a nose exclusively, tackle. exclusively. Exclusively before the, the Steelers game. Yeah where he got hurt. And then in the Steelers game that he got hurt, his role was <laughs> expanded in that game early on. <laughs> and then he gets he hurt. Was, he, he was playing in some four-man fronts, and uh, yeah, he gets hurt, and then that was the end of that. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly they pick back up with that or if they feel like he needs some time to get back into, you know, what he is, you know, what he sort of has down pat uh, before they, you know, continue to expand his role. But with Lindell Joseph in the fold, You'd imagine, I would think anyway, that they'll, you know, they'll give him some opportunities. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting also to see, like, if they'll play together, if they'll be on the field at the same time. And you have basically 700 pounds of run stopping (laughs) meat in the middle of your defense and, you know, how well they play together. So, I mean, they're just loaded up with uh interior defensive lineman at this point when you, I mean just to rattle off names and these a lot of big names in this group too Linval Joseph 
Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Milton Williams, Ndamukong Sue. It's crazy like how many, you know, sort of notable defensive tackles they have. And then on the edge, I, I think we saw some good play out of Josh Sweat yep. uh, on Sunday night. Hassan Reddick has had a good season for them. And Brandon Graham in a limited role this season mm-hmm. has produced, you know, only playing like 20 snaps per game. So it's a very good looking and a very deep, talented defensive line that they have at this point. You said good looking, like handsome too. I think these guys are. Yeah, you know, sure. Okay. Uh, Ian, so I think I, I was looking through this and it's very funny to me how there's a very clear demarcation when it comes to Fletcher Cox's playing time. I thought Fletcher Cox had his best game, uh, or at least in some time. Um, I mean, his first sack since week three. So I would keep rotating them heavy because I think that's what's best. And also, like, when it comes to Cox specifically, he's done better. His best game this year in terms of like he had one and a half sacks against Washington week three that came with his fewest playing time of the season. And uh-huh. so there's a demarcation where in the six games, he's played at least 70% of the snaps, zero sacks, zero TFLs, two quarterback hits. Not good. Oh, really? Zero tackles for loss too, huh? Yeah. Uh, in the five games, he's played 66% of the snaps or fewer. Four sacks, four TFLs, six quarterback hits. So there is something to that. <laughs> yeah. Like playing him less yeah. is is the key. You know, he he cannot handle playing these big workloads. So you want to get, I mean, obviously, you know, you still want him on the field at some point. So it's about finding that sweet spot. Um, but yeah, so I would I would say when you're bringing Davis back, like you want to keep this heavy rotation going. I think it, I think there is something to that. Uh, it does kind of help everyone um, me, me, like, me, give the most out of the reps they're they're working with. All right, uh, let's get to the Eagles Packers. Let's take a break takeaways. here. Why not take a oh, break? Okay. Because, you know, we're going to go long. Um, we're already at the 24-minute mark anyway. If we don't take a break here, we won't do it until like 40 minutes into the podcast or beyond. Uh, so we'll take a quick break here. Right before we do, I will tell you about Righteous Felon Crafter. If you go to RighteousFelon.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. They are the meat snacks that the Eagles themselves snack on at the NovaCare complex they have it at their little fueling station and you'll see righteous felon craft jerky around in stores and if you do give it a try and then if you want a bunch in bulk with all the flavors available to you which might not be the case in the store then you go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order jimmy back after this support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're 
Jack here on BGN Radio. We're about to talk about the Eagles Packers game. Jimmy, what's your big takeaway? By the way, as this was uh, recording, I meant to mention that Jalen Hurts probably should start with him. He was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week. That makes sense. That's an actually good segue to this game because <laughs> uh, how many rushing yards did he have in this game? He had 157 rushing yards, which is the new franchise record previously held by Michael Vick from the new the Miracle at the New Meadowlands game back in mm. 2010. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously the Eagles run. I mean, their rushing offense was the story of the game. Miles Sanders had a great game as well. He had a career high, I believe, as well. Um, but they ran for 363 yards, was it? Mm-hmm. Which uh, was second all time uh, in franchise history. It's they've it's the most rushing yards they've had since 1948 in 74 and it years. The, <laughs> it was the 16th best rushing perform team rushing performance uh, in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, to say that uh, they ran the ball well in that game is a little bit of an understatement. The Packers contributed to that to some degree. Because that team just can't tackle. That team sucks. Like, that is a horrible, horrible defense. And the Eagles ran right through them. But uh, we got to give credit, of course, where it's due. Packers tried to play a lot of man defense early in this game. Mm-hmm. And they did not try to spy Jalen Hurts early in this <laughs> game. And, you know, he had the two long runs early. I think he had two rushes for 52 yards uh, first to start this game. Uh, and then I think at one point he had like six rushes for over 100 yards. Um, Miles Sanders ran right through this Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, when they got their yeah. opportunities, they all ran it well. Uh, but they played this man defense and they were, when you do that, you can, you wind up the, the guys in coverage have their back turned to the quarterback and it led to these really long runs by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to take that if you just don't respect his running ability. And eventually they did kind of get away from that and they played a little bit more zone defense and the Eagles beat them through the air when they did that. So I think this game really showed the number of different ways that the Eagles offense can beat you when everything is clicking and, and going well. And they 40 burgered them. Uh, the defense was uh, concerning uh, because they gave up 33 points, of course. We'll get to that. The special teams put them in bad positions uh, a number mm-hmm. of times, and that's a big concern uh, going forward as well. But obviously the big takeaway in this game was just how well they ran the ball. By the way, like the Eagles were the number one rushing offense in the league last year. And when you look at their stats in each of the pertinent categories, when you compare them last year versus this year, this year is almost is better almost completely across the board. So you can arguably say that this year's rushing offense mm-hmm. is better than Last year's rushing offense. Now, they're not the number one rushing offense in the league this year because you have the Bears with Justin Fields and David Montgomery and Khalil Harbert, like, racking up rushing yards and not doing anything else either on defense or on offense. <laughs> but, like, the Eagles, um, you know, it's, it can be argued that that they have a better rushing offense this year than they did last year, except the difference is they now also have, for the most part, uh, a good defense. They have A.J. Brown, and Jalen Hurts now knows how to throw the ball, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, first Eagles quarterback to win NFC Offensive Player of the Week since Nick Foles in 2018. Mm. He didn't uh, have one already this year? No, he won NFC Offensive Player of the Month for September. Okay. But he never won like the weekly award, oh. um, which is... That's interesting because he's funny. had some big games. He did. Um, but there you go. Anyway, uh, yeah, so dominant rushing performance. 
got to give a lot of credit to Jeff Stoutland, who is the run game sure. coordinator for, for, again, for the highest single game total in 74 years uh, to him, to Jalen Hurts, who, you know, himself accounted for his rushing production, but by um, being that mobile threat certainly opens things up for the running backs. Um, you have to give credit to all the running backs. So I think pretty much maximize what they were given with the offensive line was just blowing people off the ball, which is to be somewhat expected. I was talking to justice Mosqueda from Acme packing company, the Packers SB nation blog. And he was talking about how you know, this defensive line is just, there's so many like no name players, especially with like Rashawn Gary hurt. Um, so, you know, they did what it was to be expected, but they did it in dominant fashion. Hurts uh, mm. was awesome. And I think he's not really getting enough credit for his passing in this game, which certainly wasn't the spotlight thing, but he made some really good throws. I mean, that back shoulder throw to Quez Watkins, that was a dime. Uh, for sure. And I thought he, maybe his most underrated throw of the game, he had that tight window throw, like just over, he placed it just over the linebacker to uh, connect with Devontae Smith. That was a 14-yard gain on the third All and left side of the field, I think, yep. near the sideline. Yeah. And that, that was the Eagles... That ended up being uh, that. So that set up uh, goal to go at the five yard line. The Eagles score there uh, on their first possession of the second half. They take a fourteen point lead. Like that was a really big play that I think gets a little overlooked. Uh, mm. I, I thought Jalen Hurts wasn't running because he had to. He ran because he could. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. He wasn't. It wasn't like a crutch, and he just had to do it. And his runs came in big spots. Like ten of them. Ten of his seventeen rushes went for first downs. Like he was. He was. Mo- and then like just the first drive alone. Okay, it's third and ten. Things kind of breaking down a little bit. Instead of going three and out, big run. Like, and not just for the first down. Like a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks might not even get the full ten yards there. But if they do, they're going down. You know, they're sliding. They're they're done. Jalen Hurts has the vision to see the rest of the field and knows he can cut back and pick up twenty four mm-hmm. yards and b- basically put themselves at midfield at that point. Um, so just like huge, like big, high level runs and high leverage critical spots to move the chains he also uh the Eagles were facing that third and six on the Packers 38 yard line that's what he broke uh the 28 yarder on that first drive to set up first and goal so yeah I just thought he made big plays and he set the tone I'm I'm a big set the tone guy Jimmy I feel like you know not it doesn't necessarily uh how you start doesn't necessarily mean you know you're not gonna falter certainly the Eagles did they got a 13-0 it looked like it was gonna be a blowout um and they didn't but still I thought like okay we're going to run on this Packers team. Like Hurt set the tone for that. Like we're going to run on them all game long. We're going to do it. I'm going to do it. The running backs are going to do it. It's what they did. And I want to give a lot of credit here to Miles Sanders, who I thought had his best game. And not just from a like obvious, like, okay, he set a career high in rushing just from a like tape aesthetic standpoint, like watching him play yeah. anecdotally, he just looked like better than I've ever seen him. I feel like he had uh, 143 yards and 21 carries 6.8 average. Uh, two touchdowns, by the way, he is, uh, eight, wait, yeah, eight times this year, uh, eight touchdowns, uh, is that right? Or is he a six? That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. he didn't do it a single time last year, but here's one I want to get to on Sanders, um, that I thought was really impressive, uh, where, you know, usually he can kind of be frustrating leaving some meat on the bone. I don't really think he did that at all here. Uh, he ran hard. He had 4.52 yards after contact per attempt per Mm. Per PFF, and to put that number in perspective, Tony Pollard leads the NFL in that category this year with four point oh six. So he was like way far out in front of what like the best running back in the NFL is doing that in that category mm-hmm. this year, and he was elusive. 
he he forced six total missed tackles in this game. And for perspective on that, Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb, who are obviously like beast, they lead the league in forced missed tackles per game this season with like 5.8 and 5.6. So this was an mm-hmm. elite running back kind of performance. Yeah, I actually, I'm surprised. I, I thought that it would be actually a higher number <laughs> than six because it felt like he was breaking tackles all night. All of them were like Boston Scott even had some broken tackles. Yep. Kenny Gainwell, maybe not necessarily breaking tackles, but pushing a pile like near mm-hmm. the goal line on one play. Um, yeah, but and the offensive line opened up these gaping holes too. So they, they, he took advantage of those and he ran through arm tackles. And like you said, um, he, he ran with power. And he ran with elusiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of a carryover of what we saw of him in training camp. Like in training camp, I thought he looked more explosive than he has, uh, at least compared with the last two seasons. I thought he looked explosive in his rookie season in what what was that? 2019? Yeah, 2019. Um, you could tell right away that he was like their best back right away in 2019. And then like 2020 and 2021 were kind of disappointing. Uh, he did have some long runs in 2020, the really bad the Eagle season. Uh, and we didn't see as, as much of that in uh, 2021, but we're seeing him just become more of a, I wouldn't say a total complete back because we haven't seen him do much uh, no. as a pass catcher. I don't think he has any drops this year, but, um, but he also doesn't they, know a lot they, of targets. They just haven't utilized him much uh, in, in that kind of role, which is fine, whatever. Yeah. If he's running the ball this way, then, then then who cares? But the other thing too is, no, again, uh, for the Eagles' sake, I'll knock on wood here. Uh, no fumbles, and he's done a great job with ball security, which has been sort of a concern of his, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over his career. So, yeah, I mean, five stars for uh, Miles Sanders in this game, no doubt. Uh, AJ Brown, you know, second fumble in two games, um, which is crazy because he didn't have any. He hasn't had any since like midway through twenty twenty, I believe. So, yeah. some of that's uncharacteristic. Um, I know you thought last week's was more of kind of like a good play by the defense. And this one was just a bad yep. play by him, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what he kind of went through last week in terms of, he said he lost seven pounds. You saw his bloodshot eye, which I don't want to see any more pictures of, by the way, it's pretty gross. Like I don't need to see that. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel bad for him. I'm not trying to say hide it, but I'm saying, yeah. like, I don't, I don't need to keep people. He like tweeting pictures. I, I don't, I don't need to see it anymore. It's kind of like disgusting. <laughs> uh, and it's also not even just like the actual looking at it, but like the story behind it of he was puking so hard that his eye got bloodshot. Like that sounds terrible. Uh, so yeah. I kind of cut him some slack. I'm not going to crush him. I mean, it was a, obviously a really bad fumble, but I think, you know, if we're talking big picture, you like concern level with him is extremely low. I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, hopefully he can bounce back this week and you know get some rest and, and not be throwing up all week. Um, but obviously not a big game for the receivers just because the the run was the big story. Uh, anything else on the offense here before we flip to the defense? Yeah, I, I will say on A.J. Brown, there are going to be defenders coming at that now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, when you put some blood in the water, you know, sharks mm-hmm. are going to are going to are going to show up. Uh, so that's I mean, I, I think it's I think it is a concern going forward because they are going to try to be ripping the ball out for him when he's when he's trying to you know fight for that extra yardage or whatever. And I want him fighting for that extra yardage because that's what makes him the player that he is. Well, sometimes uh, maybe not necessarily yeah. when they're maybe not necessarily when there's three guys trying to bring him down. When maybe it's like at that point, just go down. And it's a screen and you're clearly <laughs> yeah, like done. Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe just <laughs> get the field goal. Yeah, right. Um, one other thing on offense is I think Quez Watkins deserves a, a quick note here. Sure. He had a touchdown in this game, uh, had a had a big play got a game uh, ball in the last too. game as well. You you did mention the back shoulder throw to him, but I also thought that he he did a great job. Yes. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a great throw by Jalen Hurts, but he did a great job on that play as well. 
Uh, well, and you know, his coming speed back that. creates that opportunity. Like his ability for sure. to beat the te- teams over the top, like allows for that to happen. Yeah. That was on Razul Douglas. And I think Razul Douglas was overcompensating for his speed, making sure he got down the field and beat him to the spot and left himself susceptible to that back shoulder throw. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, Quez, I think Nick Sirianni, by the way, was extremely happy, uh, to get Quez Watkins involved because Quez Watkins has, sort of accepted the role mm-hmm. that he's been put in this year after they acquired AJ Brown. After they acquired AJ Brown, it was, you know, he went from a starter to not even just the third receiver, but the fourth guy in the pecking order yeah. uh behind the two behind Brown and and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, of course. With Goddard out, they need him to step up and you know, he had the fumble against against the commanders, but he also had four catches for 80 yards in that game mm-hmm. and got open deep down the field and made a play before he did fumble. <laughs> and he's had yeah. two touchdowns in each of the last two games. So, you know, good on Quez for for contributing in in a way where they in in, in you know in, in these games where they've needed him to step up. Yeah, and the Eagles played a lot more eleven personnel in this game than they did uh like so last week, you know, it was just befuddling how much 13 and 12 they were playing early on when you're mm-hmm. you don't have Goddard, you have multiple three <laughs> right. backup tight ends and you have to get them on the field. You can't get Quesmore. In, so I think they've adjusted since then. That's another key thing for me in this game is like a big picture takeaway. I kept saying that like, I thought last week against the Colts was such an uncharacteristically bad performance from Sirianni and Steichen. And I think they've adjusted since then. And I have, and I think that's, that's borne out that it's not a huge concern moving forward as much as it was a blip on the radar one bad week. Um, yeah, I think that's all I had on the offense. Are you ready to talk about defense? Sure. Let's hit it. So I see a lot of like, well, you can't blame Jonathan Gannon too much because the Eagles gave up some short fields and that is true. Um, but Jimmy entering week 12, the Packers highest offensive score on the road was 17 points. He was allowed 33 points. They let him to double that production. It was the, the Packers best scoring output of the season. So yeah. I'm not going to totally forgive Jonathan Gannon to the defense is fine after that. Like that's not good enough. If you look at the Packers four touchdown drives. Okay. So the first one, they started at their own 41 yard line after a long kick return. Um, but like, okay, it's still on their own side of the field. It's not like they have to get a touchdown because they start there. Uh, second touchdown drive is at the Eagles 37 yard line. That was after the turnover on downs, which I don't begrudge Sirianni going for at all. And I thought Hertz kind of got it. The, I thought he got the line to gain on the third down. Um, not so on the fourth down where he fumbled. It was a bad or, you know, bot snap. Um, it's kind of fluky. Uh, third touchdown that started at the Eagles 12 yard line after AJ Brown's fumble. Okay. That's kind of tough when you're in that spot. The fourth one was when they started at their own 25, but the backup quarterback, Jordan Love, was in the game. To me, I don't really think it's unreasonable to ask Gannon to maybe, and the defense, to get like a field goal on one of those four drives, you know? And four points would be a big difference in this game in terms of a cushion. So um, I don't want to hear that like you can't really blame Gannon too much. Like, no, I'm not saying he was a disaster, but like... You know, I think this is not uh, – so I do – you know, my winners, losers, and I don't know column. I put them in the I don't know section because I don't know that he really did the best what he, he could have reasonably done. Yeah, so um, it's the first time they've given up more than 21 points since week one. Um, so maybe this is just a blip like it was offensively for the Colts last year mm-hmm. or last week. Um that's the sort of the glass half full approach. And then also, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he was partly the, the, the defensive scheme on the re Blankenship interception had a lot to do with, uh, you know, them, them making that big play. They did force the two turnovers. Um, the other one, uh, slay, 
uh, did a nice job of. Fran showed the uh, the uh, the scheme on that play. I wasn't paying attention uh, quite as closely on that as I was Reed Blankenship because I wrote a Reed Blankenship mm-hmm. article and <laughs> like using that. Uh, anyway, uh, so I do think the, I I do think that there were some good things that Gannon did in that game. Sure. But certainly you don't want to be giving up 33 points no matter what kind of position either the offense or the special teams are putting you in. Granted, it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had the best season, but he's still well, Aaron Rodgers. It was and... Rodgers, but then Jordan Love, too. Jordan Love also <laughs> yeah. led a touchdown drive. Yeah. And then and then I think the concern on the run defense is still there. Like, A.J. Dillon oh, yeah. had eight carries for 65 yards why, and a touchdown. Why were they not running him on every play? Literally run him on every single play <laughs> until the Eagles can prove right. they can stop it. Yeah, they were having success with that, and I guess they got away from it because they got it because they had a deficit. But mm. it was weird because whenever he got the ball, he was doing stuff with it. And when you look at like what he is, he's six foot, two hundred and forty seven pounds. Yep. He's a big. He looks a little. He looks like Legarrette Blunt to me, like his mm-hmm. body type. And then you go from him this week <laughs> to AJ. Uh, excuse me, to uh, Derek. <laughs> I was AJ mm. to Derek Henry in uh, in week thirteen. Yeah. They're similar in that they're big. They're both big and physical. But to compare AJ Dillon and Derrick Henry is like uh, comparing like you know Boston Scott to Darren Sproles in his prime. Like they're they're similar in some ways, but there's just no comparison. So I think you know they kind of got. I think that you know, and after that first Colts drive where Jonathan Taylor had seven carries for forty nine yards and a touchdown, yeah. the rest of that game they shut down the Colts' run, and I think they you know made people feel okay about their run defense again. But they kind of relapsed a little bit here yeah. against the Packers because the Packers were running the ball very effectively when they did. Uh, they just didn't do enough of it. I don't know why they that wasn't a bigger part of their game. That's how they beat the Cowboys a few weeks ago, by yep. the way. They yep. just kept running it all day with Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. I don't know why they got away from it. That was stupid on, on their part, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a concern that has now crept back in after a, after a solid performance against Indy. I just feel like sometimes this Eagles defense, especially against the run, looks like I'm trying to think of the reference, but it looks like they're like, you know, this cartoon version of, you know, a big man running the football and then like these peewee little kids trying to like tap. It's like they're not (laughs) big enough. They can't like get them down. You need to like get five bodies on a guy to like even have a chance. Um, Just very soft. It's like even I don't even think it's about, you know, having amazing holes to work with all the time. I think it's, you know, the contact can start, you know, maybe like two yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And, you know, with a good, like, forceful tackle, you get the guy down. It's a two-yard gain. But here, it's like the runner's able to power, like, fall forward, like kind of like some of the better runners in the league do, like Jordan Howard, you know, used to do. Even if he'd get contacted, he'd still always kind of get positive yardage. Um, Zeke, in, especially in his prime, always really good at doing that. But it just feels like some of these backs against the Eagles, yeah, it's just like they can't, can't get a good – Stop on them. It's just like, Mostly against those four man fronts too. Yeah. So all the more reason to to try to to try Jordan Davis and some of those four man fronts, uh, you know, to help with with stopping the run when you when you do want to run those. I mean, there there were big holes. Like there was one in particular. I remember like Indomitian and Sue was sort of took like a, a, mm-hmm. a wide angle and was seemed almost like he was just <laughs> rushing the passer when it was a run play and then mm-hmm. opened up a big hole that they ran through. So. Yeah, uh, it, it is still a concern going forward. And then special teams, man. Oh, like, my gosh. They had, the th- what, three big <sighs> kick returns. It's always um, something, they... though. It's always something. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. From week to week, there's like a new, I think the kick return, the, the kick coverage team has been bad for the most part this season. Um, consistently bad. Whereas the, there's, you can look at every, at every, almost every game this season, probably every game and pick out one pretty big special teams theme in that game, whether it's, you know, blocked field goal or, you know, them converting uh, a fake punt or, you know, big return or, and then of course the other consistent thing, by the way, is they have no return game at all. Like yeah. they're just wholly unthreatening on kick returns and punt returns. Mm-hmm. If you're an Eagles fan, you're just hoping that they don't fumble and you're yeah. like, you're happy with that. Uh, but like, yeah, certainly they, they, they are, and this is not a good Packers special teams group, no. by the way, I think heading into this game, they're 26 or something like that in, uh, in special teams, DVOA, their kick returner is good. So Keyshawn Nixon is a good returner Yeah, but- and they felt, and, and so like, Jake Elliott was kicking them like six, seven yards deep in the end zone. They're taking yeah. it out anyway because yep. they know it's a weakness of the Eagles. Yep. I mean, like he might be a, a, a good returner, but their unit as a whole was only averaging 20.8 yards per, per kick return this year. Like that's 10th worst in the NFL. Like this is not an amazing kick return unit. They're not, and they're, it's not Devin Hester back there. Like, come on. Uh, like who, who was allowing these big returns in the NFL? Kick returns. That's like kick returns aren't even a thing anymore. And the Eagles are allowing and they allowed a 38 yarder, 52, and a 53. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like it came at a big moment. The first one, the 38 yarder, because the Eagles go up thir- and then it's not just and, and Jake Elliott made a 54 yard field goal, you know, for the Eagles to go up 10 points. It's kind of we probably take for granted how clutch of a kicker he is uh, sure. in some of these spots. But like that missed extra point combined with the special teams unit allowing a 30 yard, 38 yard return. Like the Eagles should have been, it looked like it was going to be a route at that point. You know, if Elliot makes that field goal, they're up 14 zero. And then ideally you get a touchback. And then now they have to drive 75 yards down the field where instead I thought like that changed the vibe of the game. Like maybe that's not the case. And maybe the Packers still score a touchdown, even if it is a touchback and it's at the 25, but like, I, I just think that's a total change change in the, in the vibe. We saw that against the Cowboys when Kevante Turpin, Right, uh, you know, like is able to have that long return. I think it kind of it gives the offense some juice. They're like, oh, look, we have a short field to work with. We got this, guys. Don't worry about it. They got, they got points. At, they got points at the end of the first half. Yeah, as a result of that, and that kind of yeah. like, and that's like, okay, we got some points on the board. We're feeling like that. That I think that was all very real. Whereas you know, if they have to start at their twenty five, it, it could be a whole different scenario where it's like, oh, we have to drive the whole field now. It's like it, it changes the feeling of the game. So um, yeah, I think that was a, that was a big deal. And I don't think the Eagles are going to fire Michael Clay. To be clear. Uh, during the season, but it's like it's, it could be pretty costly. There's, it's, it's like you're kind of just you know something's going to go wrong every single week. You're just yeah. like waiting for the bad thing to happen on special teams, and I don't know what you can do. I guess they're going to try to tweak some things. Michael Clay himself said, you know, he brought up the definition of insanity. Quote: um, I, I don't know how much you can do. I wonder, you know, and this is something we didn't talk about last week. The Eagles brought on uh, Marcus Brady. The, the Colts' former Nick Sirianni's replacement in Indianapolis mm-hmm. uh, as the Colts' offensive coordinator and previously their quarterbacks coach. I don't know if there's like a veteran special teams coordinator assistant. What's Bobby April up to? No, not him. Um, but like, is, is there something you can do? Like, wh- what would you do? It's hard to bring in a different coordinator this late in the season, but well, not like a different coordinator, you but like know. a like a you yeah, know, right, right. Somebody to help out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, and I think that's relevant because when the Eagles hired Michael Clay, he was literally the youngest coordinator in the NFL. I think it's fair yeah. to wonder if he has like the the you know 
if he's the most qualified candidate based on experience. I think it, maybe it could be a little bit helpful to get someone experienced in here. He's had his moments too. I don't want to completely crap on the guy. Like it, they were ready on the onside's kick. Uh, what was that week one? When sec- yeah, but okay, Crimson. that's fine. He's ready for that. All right, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give it to. And you know they had a nice scheme drawn. We're going back a year here on this one, but they had a nice scheme drawn up uh, on the uh, blocked punt against the Panthers, which yeah, okay. basically won them that game. But it's again, we're going back. We're yeah, we're, it's you know we're reaching now. It's a net um, negative. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, clearly it's it's you you look at like the three phases: offense, awesome, yeah. defense, potential to be awesome. Uh, stats are great, nitpicks here and there, but overall very good. Special teams, very bad. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously that's the one you'd pick to be very bad if you had your choice. Uh, but I mean, but it, they've been lucky not to lose any games yeah. uh, as a result of uh, you know a bad special teams play or bad special teams play in general. And you don't want, you certainly don't want your season to end mm-hmm. in the playoffs because of some crazy special teams play. No one would be surprised if that happened, right? It'd be like, yep, that was, that was, yeah, we, were we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, like, I just, it's tough for me to reconcile, like, just being fine with that. I know people will talk about, like, okay, yeah, you don't want to invest resources here. If you're going to have to sacrifice, I get that. But, like, to me, the status quo is not good enough. You can't just sit back and continue to watch this. You have to do something. Something has to be changed. I don't know if it's a personnel thing, if you need to kind of like maybe maybe there's someone you can sign uh, to the practice squad who can, you know, test out with these elevations and see if like that player can make a difference. There has to be something they can do. I don't I don't think sitting on your hands and saying, oh, this will be fine is a, is a valid strategy. They have to tweak some yeah. things. All right, uh, why don't we take another break here, and then we'll come back, and we'll do Eagles-Titans preview, and we'll get to our picks. But before we do that, That's right. if you're looking to buy or sell your home, call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Again, that's 856-906-9295. Voted on by God as the greatest realtor in the history of the universe. That's Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Brandon? I feel like you're kind of giving me the voice of um, who was that little green guy in Flintstones, the Great Kazoo. Oh yeah, <laughs> like okay. You're giving me a Great Kazoo voice there. That's right. a that's an old reference for uh, for you don't get any old references at all, and you hit me with Great Kazoo. Look at you. Watch like I feel like that was on Cartoon Network and stuff. Flintstones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Saturday morning cartoons, maybe uh, when I was young, maybe not. Uh, they still had those when you were a kid. Uh, something like that. I don't know. It's been because they had them like that. That was like a big thing Saturday morning when I was a kid way I back. Think I in still, the day. yeah, we still had them. Um, okay, I, I don't know if that, that was and there. and 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 wrestling was on. Yeah, uh, like at like noon or something. Maybe it was oh, on a Saturday. Might have even been the morning. Yeah, I think it was Saturday, hmm. right? I don't know. I mean, th- so this was like the wrestling. This wasn't like you know a big event. This is when you get like the jobbers. Yeah, uh, when I was a kid, anyway, where it'd be like. I don't know, like Big John Stud against uh, <laughs> Barry O, and okay. Big John Stud would just wipe the floor with yeah. Barry O. You know. All right, back <laughs> after this. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five nine two nine five 
back here on BGN Radio. Time to talk some Eagles Titans. A pretty interesting matchup for like a one o'clock game. You know, team that's yeah. what, eight and three versus a team that's ten and one. Seven and four they are. Seven and four. Sorry, uh, they're eight and three against the spread. Uh, yeah. Why don't you? So you did your matchup column. Why don't you guide us through your thoughts on the Titans? Yeah, I mean it's run game um, on both sides of the ball because the it's offense. strength on yeah. strength when uh, the Eagles have. Um, when, when the Eagles have the ball with their run game, Titans are uh, sorry, I don't have it pulled up here, but they're they're a very good run defense. Everyone sort of recognizes well, the Titans as like this tough, physical, grimy kind of team overall, and then certainly their defense, and that trickles down basically from their head coach Mike Rabel, Mike Vrabel, who uh, Nick Sirianni spoke at length about how the you know how much respect that he has for them. But the Titans are allowing eighty four. Uh, rushing yards per game, that's third in the NFL. Um, they are allowing 0.3 touchdowns per game. I think they've given up two rushing touchdowns on the season, which is best in the NFL. Uh, they're Thanks. allowing 3.9 uh, rushing yards per attempt, which is second in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, they're very good. And, and up front, you have guys like Jeffrey Simmons, who, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is basically like Fletcher Cox in his prime. Uh, you have Danico Autry, who actually missed uh the game last sunday against the bengals he's got seven sacks and he's a big defensive end at like six five two eighty five so he's a guy that um is good both against the run and the pass he has inside outside versatility he's a guy worth watching this week in terms of whether he'll be available or not and then the other guy i know this is like a ben solak favorite is um is david long the linebacker mm. who is awesome like if you want this guy just like he runs he's everywhere he's he's just everywhere against the run and against the pass uh, he's got 85 tackles this year, a couple interceptions, bunch of pass breakups. That guy's probably going to be in the Pro Bowl this year, David Long. But they have a very good run defense. Corners are a little suspect. They've actually invested heavily at that position in the draft uh, the last three years. They took uh, Christian Fulton with the 35th overall pick in 2020. They took Caleb Farley in the first round. Uh, 22nd overall in 2021. They also took Elijah Molden that year in the third round. Uh, This year, they took uh, Roger McCreary, who a lot of people were rejecting as a first-round pick. He went in the second round, 35th overall. So they have four; those are their top four corners. Farley's done for the year with a herniated disc. Um, So their starters are Fulton, Molden, and McCreary. And the guy that's been attacked the most of that group so far this year has been McCreary, who, according to profootballreference.com, has been targeted 71 times this year, Ooh. which is a lot. He's given up 49 receptions, 552 yards, four touchdowns, opposing passer rating of 104.9. Then the other guy that I think is susceptible is Elijah Molden, who was is their slot corner. He missed, um, I believe, the first... He's only played in two games. So he missed the first, I don't know, like nine or ten games of the season on injured reserve with a groin injury. And he came back and played one game. Then he missed the next game with that groin injury. Then he came back last week and he played sparingly. So that's a guy that I think if he plays, you attack him. You attack him and McCreary. Those are the two guys that you want to attack in the passing game. But again, it's strength on strength in terms of the Eagles run deep offense versus the Titans run defense. And then the obvious, you know, the really obvious uh, matchup on the other side of the ball is the Eagles suspect run defense against Derrick Henry. I don't think really much needs to be said about that, uh, that we didn't already say with, you know, their struggles against AJ Dillon last week and guys like Damian Pierce 
and the first series against uh, the Colts with um, with Jonathan Taylor and the way that the commanders were able to stay on schedule with with uh, with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be probably their biggest challenge of the year in terms of stopping Derrick Henry. And it's probably going to be their most challenging front seven uh, that they're going to face this year from an offensive perspective. A lot to respond to there. Uh, but I think the Henry thing you know, <laughs> goes without saying. Yeah. It's just like, I, I don't know what you do, really. I mean, you what do you do? Like, you just have to not tackle as badly as you always do, basically. Um, I, I don't know. If, you're, if you don't have an answer for A.J. Dillon, I don't know what you're going to do against Derrick Henry when the Titans should just be looking to basically run the ball every play until, again, the Eagles yeah. can prove they can stop that. Um, so certainly uh, they'll be tested in that regard. Uh, I will say that um, the Titans defense as a whole, just looking at from zooming out a little bit, they've not allowed more than 20 points in a game since their week six by. I like to point out how mm. Jim Schwartz okay. is on their staff. Um, and by the way, the two points they did allow 20, uh, two games, they did allow 20 points, Patrick Mahomes in overtime and Joe Burrow. So like two MVP kind of people in sure. the MVP conversation. So, and obviously the Eagles have one of those guys for themselves, but the point being Stevens is really good. And the worst games have come against like really good quarterbacks uh, so that's certainly um, it's going to be a tough matchup on the flip side. They've not scored more than 20 points or sorry. They've scored more. Sorry. They did have 27 points against the Packers, of course, but they've scored more than 20 points in just one game since that week six by. So for as much as the offense is intimidating from a Derrick Henry standpoint, it's not like a juggernaut kind of unit. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill isn't really like terrifying you. He can, I think, you know, he can have a big game um, and he can be efficient. Uh, but he's not, you know, going to torch the secondary all day uh, and making plays, I think. Uh, on the defense, by the way, Titans defense, you mentioned, you know, the cornerbacks. And I certainly think, uh, yes, that's an area to attack. You know, McCreary, uh, I did the math on that, I think. You said 71 targets per game. Yeah. Or sorry, on the season. So that's six and a half per game. <laughs> so, like, yeah, teams are yeah. really just throwing at him. Uh, they've allowed the second most fantasy football points to wide receivers hmm. this season of any right? defense. Okay. Yeah, so certainly uh, would be a prime opportunity for an A.J. Brown revenge game. And sure. he's really going to want that, by the way. I mean, that that should be obvious, I feel like, to anyone who's on Twitter. But if you're not, uh, A.J. Brown was, like, clowning on the Titans as recently as when they only completed five passes against the Chiefs and was, you know, talking about how they miss him. Now, your boy Traylon Burks has been coming on recently. Um, uh -huh. but I mean, still no AJ Brown, uh, but I, yeah, I, course, I do, yeah. I do think AJ Brown's really going to want this. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Like, cause I think it can, it can be in terms of motivated to have a huge game. He wants to go out and get this. He's going to do everything he can, but it also could be a Nick Sirianni versus the Colt situation where like <laughs> he's trying too hard. He's trying to do a little yeah. too much. I think and he's kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's pressing and he's forcing the issue a bit. Um, and he, he might be in, in his own head because he's like, oh, I need to make this play. I need to make this play. Got to make, got to make AJ happy. Yeah. So, and also, yeah. And then from the coaching standpoint, maybe, you know, forcing it a bit too much. So I, I, I don't think that's only an edge. It could be an edge, um, but I think it could cut. It's a double-edged sword. Could cut both ways. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do think it's a little funny how people are, are talking about this team as scary. And I, and I get it from a standpoint of, I talked about this on the mixtape. Vrabel has the best record in the NFL since 2018. 
uh, straight up, the, the Titans do, I should say, as underdogs. They're 22 and 16. That's pretty good as underdogs yeah. to be straight up and 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 above, uh, 66 games above 500. Uh, so he's kind of like the new Mike Tomlin in that category. Tomlin's always really good against the spread and straight up uh, as Steelers are as underdogs. So there's definitely some of that there. I get that. It's going to be a dogfight. At the same time, to me, if you look at the Titans' schedule this year, can you really tell me, like, the the impressive win on that schedule? Like, the one that really sticks out as like, oh, wow, that was a really good one. Um, I don't I don't think they have that. Now, they played the Chiefs tough and over time, despite having Malik Willis. So I'm not saying, again, they're right. scrubs, but, like, they lost. They've not, they don't have a win this year that you look at and you're like, well, that was a really good win. I think the best thing you can say is, like, the Packers on Thursday Night Football, who the Eagles just beat and haven't really mm-hmm. looked great this year. Um, they, they beat the Commanders, but that was when Carson Wentz was starting earlier this year. Um, so The one really good opponent that they played was Buffalo week two. Yeah, they got And they lost, 40, they lost 41 to 7. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I they got think their people... asses handed to them by, by Buffalo. I, I will say, though, last year they were beating a ton of good teams. So they yes, beat – and this is all in a very small stretch. The Rams. They beat Buffalo, Kansas City – the Colts, who were still good then, mm-hmm. and the Rams, who of yep. course were the Super Bowl champions. Um, that was all in. That was a four game stretch. They won four straight games against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams. That's really impressive. Uh, but I'm with you here. Certainly, like they haven't they haven't beaten anyone very impressive in 2022. Yeah. So again, I think they're tough, but it's not like this, this team is not unbeatable. They, they, they just hang around. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know that that. Uh, aforementioned Bills game aside, they're just a team that hangs around. Yep. And um and. You, like they you look at their, you, you look at the roster and it's not super talented. Like they have star players like Jeffrey Simmons and Derek Henry. And uh, I guess those are the two main ones, but um, you look at it and you go, okay, well there's holes there and there's holes there and there's holes there, mm-hmm. but they just hang around and they, and they went on against the one seed. Yeah. They were the one seed in the AFC last year. And they were going to cruise to a repeat uh, championship in the, you know, obviously the, the horrible AFC South, uh, but you know they 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 are going to dominate that division. It's just it's a weird team in that it's it's hard to you know see why they win as many games as they do. Uh, but I mean they you watch them play and they are just tough and physical and like they beat up on mm-hmm. like I wonder what the, I, I I'm I'm a little mad at myself for not researching this before the podcast, but I wonder what the records of teams are after they play them like the next week, because like you do kind of go through uh, a tough battle every time you you face a team like this. Um, So they lost to the bills, you know, in a big way, they opened the season with a loss and then they narrowly beat the Raiders. That game came down like to the wire. Um, I think it was like they were in the end zone, had to make a play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, they, they lost the Giants week one on on a yeah, on a missed field goal. That. Yeah, yeah, a missed yeah, field goal. Okay. So narrow loss. Um, after that, they they lost to the Chiefs. I was obviously in overtime. They beat the Titans. Or sorry, they beat the Broncos. After that, who are just you know terrible, disastrous yeah. team. Um, and then yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't mean, know if there's a ton. Their to most that. impressive game of the year this year was against Kansas City because they, sure. they like, but a loss. I think that was the it's game. A loss. I think that yeah, right. I it's think that was the game loss. where. But was that the game where they only threw five passes? I, yeah, I, just, I said or, that earlier. Or complete yeah, Malik, whatever it was. Malik complete, complete, he, think he threw 16, but he completed five. Okay. Yeah. And, and I don't somehow, think anywhere like, to Somehow they got that team to overtime. Like, yeah. It's crazy that that game went to overtime against against who most people think is the best team in the NFL. I think Rabel – I mean, sorry. I think um, the Titans, their identity, they are very much like 
a team coached by a former NFL linebacker from his time yeah. period. Like, that's exactly <laughs> the team they are. Like they're tough, they're yeah. gritty. It's not pretty, but they're just going to grind it out. Um, they're going to wear you down. They're going to make you play to their level. I guess is kind of what they do for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even some of the, the the worst teams. They're not like necessarily beating the crap out of some of these bad teams. Like they beat the Texans by a touchdown, beat the Broncos by a touchdown, beat the Colts by nineteen points. Uh, they beat the Commanders with Wentz at the time by four points. Like they're not like, and they beat the Colts again earlier by seven. Like they're not crushing these bad teams, um, right? So even even against those teams, it's still kind of a slog fest. You're grinding it out, but um, so it doesn't matter. It's like it's opponent agnostic. Whether it's a good team, bad team, they're just kind of you're in a dogfight. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. Um, so it's actually it's nice. I think this is a good test for the Eagles. They need this kind for of sure. matchup. I think um on their schedule to kind of like you know let's see it. You know this is this is kind of like. It's been a while since they've gone into a game really where you're like, wow, this is uh this is gonna be a tough one for the Eagles. I mean, they've been yeah, they were like double digit favorites for a while there, including the Washington game, which they lost. Um, and since the past couple of weeks, um, you know, you you're maybe they they've had some struggles, but you're like, Okay, they're gonna beat the Colts, they're probably gonna beat the Packers. The Titans are like mm, not so sure. Okay. Uh anything else on this matchup? No, I think that's pretty much it. Um, oh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll I I like to take a look at the opposing team's uh, offensive line too, and it's kind of low key problematic for them. Like mm. uh, they lost Taylor Lewan to a torn right. ACL, I think week two, uh, and Dennis Daly has filled in for him. Pro Football Focus has him down for six sacks allowed this year. Um, Dennis Daly? So, I mean, Dennis Daly. So they went from Dennis, Dennis, Kelly. Dale, Dennis Kelly to Dennis Daly. That's right. So he has been a problem area for them at left tackle. Of course, if you're the Eagles, you have to earn the right to rush the passer by stopping the run first and getting them in long downs and distances on third down. And then you can take advantage of a guy like that. And then at right tackle, uh, Nicholas Petit Frere from Ohio State. He's a rookie third round pick for them. He's been up and down. But I think those are the two, like their offensive tackles. We can attack them on the edge. And uh, I think this could be a game where Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and Hassan Raddick take advantage of that. I'm, I think we've just kind of stopped mentioning Robert Quinn at this point. <laughs> like, mm. it's like uh, maybe he can get on. Uh, maybe he can do something in this game Ryan uh, against one of those 2.0. two guys. But <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but well, you know, at least they'll have to play him because uh, they do have other guys. But uh, yeah, they uh, th- th- that's that's the area that I think they can attack if they are able to slow down the the, the Titans' run game. I wasn't sure if you said this already because I, I wanted to check Twitter real quick because we're recording on Wednesday morning and you know you got some stuff going on, uh, mm-hmm. trying to keep an eye on the news. But this is kind of like they need Jim Schwartz for this game. The Eagles need the Jim Schwartz approach, right? To what you were just talking yes. about. They need to stop the run and earn the right to rush the passer. That's what they need. That's what they need to do. I think to beat this Titans team, they need to shut down the run. And once they do that, um, they'll get opportunities to sack Ryan Tannehill and force him into turnovers or, you know, or, you know, rack up sacks on him, whatever. I think that's kind of the game plan. Um, but I mean, the ideal game plan, we'll see is <laughs> the actual game plan. Uh, anything else? Are you good? No, I think we can get to the picks. Well, we'll take a break here, but we're not going to do a sponsor read because we already did the first two. So there's well, what about we didn't do Righteous Fallon or did we? We did. Uh, and we did Kristen Roach. So we'll just say them real quickly again. RighteousFallon.com. Just can code BGN15 for 15% off. And Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio. Bleeding Green 
Nation Radio. Uh, Jimmy, it's time yes. for our NFL picks against the spread. But not before I tease the same game parlay from DraftKings. <laughs> which did not hit last week. Um, I had Miles Sanders over on like rushing yards and Eagles money line. So those did, but I had Packers under 17 and a half points. And to me, Ooh. that's not a bad thing because they had never scored more than that this year. I blame Jonathan Gannon, obviously special teams and the turnovers as well for not living up to their end of the bargain. So we'll see if I can get it right this week. The, you know, as we're recording this, they're not the same year in parlay options are not up yet. So that's why I do not have it for you, but you can check out, um, the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account at Bleeding Green uh, to see that when that goes live on game day. Every week this season, we'll be cooking up our own same game parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage. You'll even see the BGN logo. It'll be called the Bleeding Green Nation same game parlay. Uh, for all of you, our loyal fans, to follow, uh, be sure to check out our Twitter once again at Bleeding Green to see the graphic promoting the same game parlay you can wager on. And then each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Jimmy, you are 23, 22, and 1 against the spread. I improved uh, last week because on my, on my written version, I think I, I think I was 1 and 6. And then I am 25, <laughs> 20, and 1. Uh, we both went 2, 1, and 1 last week. Okay. Huh. Uh, you got me with the... The, the edge you had over me was because we didn't pick them all the same uh, was the Falcons um, not covering the commanders covering the spread, mm -hmm, right? I had the Falcons covering, which they should have, they were right there at the end of the game. They should have won the game, <laughs> but whatever. And then I took the giants who had a, certainly a big backdoor cover, but, uh, but we're also, I think deserving of that backdoor cover cover a little bit because they totally got screwed on their, first touchdown that got wiped off the board for total oh, right penalty, yeah 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 unless you ask joe banner um so <laughs> uh we are also nine and two straight up when picking the eagles this year okay uh i'm going in totally fresh i have not looked at a line yet this week the, so uh this is gonna be a rough one for me i think we have four games to talk about we're gonna start with a really big game in terms of the saints draft pick implications so the Saints are bad. They're four and eight, but they are certainly not out of the playoff picture because the no. NFC South is open because the Bucks refuse to seize it. Um, really bad loss by the Bucks to the Browns. The Bucks are three and a half point favorites at home. It's on Monday Night Football, so it's a primetime game that everyone will get to watch. Bucks need to win this game. They need to shut the door on the Saints and have that tiebreaker because if they win the Bucks have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker over New Orleans and, and I don't think the Saints are primed to go on a run but they could by virtue of no one else again seizing that division so uh, it makes me nervous if you're an Eagles fan you need to be rooting for the Bucks to win this game and snuff out the Saints hopes of being able to win this division so I will take the Bucks three and a half to cover this is where this is in Tampa it's in Tampa and okay so just to expand on your point there, 538.com has the Saints at 8% likely to make the playoffs. Right now, yeah. If they win this game, it pops up to 24%, mm. 25%. If they lose this game, 
it's under 1%. <laughs> yeah, it's a so, must-lose game from the Eagles' perspective. Yeah, and if they lose it, if they do lose it, they're done. Like, I mean, you can forget about them. Like, the Eagles all but clinch a top 18 pick from that pick. Yep. Um, three and a half is a low line, man. Mm. Uh, they do, I guess Vegas not really, is not though. liking the what Bucks they see out of... Well, the so I mean, the neither do the Saints. The Saints got shut out yeah. <laughs> against. Uh, they they they, oh, they played the Forty ers this past week. Actually, uh, if uh, if you have the opportunity, go to YouTube or not YouTube. Go to Shio Kapadia's Twitter page mm-hmm. and listen to his Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah, rant. I saw that. It was uh, very entertaining. He went he went off on them for like ten minutes. They stink. And how 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 and not even not even stink, but also like their their coaching decisions uh, in the game against who they play the Browns with the Browns. Know, oh, right. Without Deshaun yeah, Watson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's worth your time. I think uh, Todd Bowles might be a better <laughs> defensive coordinator than head coach. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'll take the bucks too. Cause uh, the saints are just worse <laughs> in my opinion. And uh, three and a half. That's uh, not a, it's not a whole lot to lay. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take the bucks minus three and a half. All right. The Commanders, this is such a weird thing on the schedule. The Commanders play the Giants this week. They have their bye next week, and then they play the Giants again. So they're playing the Giants yeah. in back-to-back games, not back-to-back weeks, but back-to-back games. Commanders are two-and-a-half-point favorites at MetLife Stadium. I'm going to take the Commanders. Their vibes are much better than the Giants right now. I think the Giants are just so banged up. It's like, what, seven or eight starters missing the injury? Um also, I think regression has been coming for them. Daniel Jones, I, I'm, I've, like, I feel like been patient with Daniel Jones. Like I, I've seen enough there over the the course of time, not to like believe in him, but not to. to I, I did not want to be totally out on him. But after some of those throws in that that Cowboys game, where like there were gotta have it conversions, and he was just like, and he there's no pressure, and he's throwing to an open target in the flat. And like throwing behind Saquon and like he's just making like egregiously awful throws on like four yard outs. I'm like, what is this? This is this is terrible. Um, so I feel like I'm le- very much more than ever like leaning out on him. And I just don't trust the Giants at this point. Um, I think the commanders have something they, the commanders have found their identity. I talked about that with RJ. It's ball control offense, it's a solid defense. The Giants don't really have enough going for them right now. I will take the commanders to cover two and a half. Yeah, I'm with you there. The Giants, you mentioned them being banged up. They're missing on Thanksgiving anyway. They're missing four starting offensive linemen. Mm. They're missing both of their starting corners. They're, I mean, they've their wide receivers have been banged up all year, but they're and without they're Sterling Shepard, Colin Johnson. They traded Kadarius Tony. I'm missing some. Oh, the uh, rookie Wanda Robinson is, yep. is is done for the year. So yeah, I mean, we are we already kind of looked at them as a fraud kind of team, mm-hmm. at least uh, in re, at least relative to what their record was but now they're also really banged up i think they're one the, as constructed they're one of the worst teams in the nfl right now and they'll get some of those guys back like evan neal i know is returning to the lineup and i don't sure. know you know if, the, if they'll get one of those corners back or whatever uh but yeah i'm with you i think the commanders are, are playing well right now. they've won they've won like what six of the last seven games i yep. think yep. so yeah they're playing well and they would not be playing this way by the way if Carson Wentz were still in there, like oh, they yeah, would not, he'd, 
you'd be checking out a run plays and, and like I want to I want to take a little victory lap over. here on uh, Heineke by the way because I think you said that he just stunk and I don't think that was fair. Yeah. I said I said he gives you a puncher's chance every single game, like every pretty much okay. for the most part. Maybe unless you're playing like the Chiefs or whatever, you go into the game not necessarily as a favorite, that's not guaranteed to win, but like you a chance. You there is a path to victory with with or that's fair. Contrast. With I'll Carson take my lumps on that one. With Carson Wentz, there are times where you just like, you, you just, there's no chance. There's no path to winning. He's going to make mistakes, <laughs> and you're going to lose. Anyway. Yeah, he, um, he would not be happy playing ball control offense. No. Um But anyway, yeah, I, I, like what the, I like what the commanders are doing. And they're not a threat in the playoffs or anything like that, but they're mm, probably going to make the playoffs. And, and uh, I don't think that uh, – at this point, I, I would say that the Giants are – I don't want to call them a long shot to make the playoffs, but I would say they're a lot more likely to miss the playoffs than make it. Uh, with yeah. the way they're playing, and and they've they actually have the hardest schedule yep. uh, according to Tankathon uh, down the yeah. down, down the stretch of the season. Um, so they're in trouble. They're they're playoff hopes. And by the way, if they don't make the playoffs, then they will have won all these games and wreck their draft position, and they'll have to make a choice on whether or not to franchise tag da- Daniel Jones. And well, if they Saquon. don't, also Saquon too. And then if they don't. I feel like they're they've they've run Saquon so much this year that mm-hmm. they don't plan on bringing him back, or else they would have tried to conserve him a little bit more. Maybe who know who knows. The point here is like they will have won a lot of games, and they'll have a pick in like the late teens. So like they won't be in a position to draft a quarterback either. And that's about as bad of a season as they probably could have asked. For. I mean, you're happy if you're a Giants fan to actually see some wins, but it's going to come at the cost of you know adding a, a a a guy who can actually lead the team at quarterback. I, yeah, I think someone's going to have to answer for that too is how I put it to RJ. Like if they fall out of the playoffs, someone has to like eat that, right? Like they're not going to you can't just bring everyone back and you're not yeah. going to touch the coaching staff probably. Um and I think it's probably Daniel Jones. And you're not going to touch the GM cuz yeah, he's right. more or less done a pretty good job, But you know? someone has there's no way you could just like bring everyone back after that. Like that someone's yeah. going to have to answer for that. It's not the same level of Carson Wentz in Ursay last year, but I think there's, there's the owner is going to want to hold someone accountable. And I think it's going to be Daniel Jones at that point. If that's the case if the Could Giants be. fall out, I think they're going to have to do something. I said, uh, the Jimmy G men is what the Giants might be next year. Uh, <laughs> maybe they can get, Garoppolo. that'd be funny. Um, would be a good pickup for them. Um, they can win with him. Uh, sure. So on last thing on Saquon last six games, cause you mentioned his high usage. I think it's been taking a toll because he only has 3.6 yards per carry. And 4.7 yards per reception. And his longest yeah. run is 27 yards. It came against the Texans, who are the worst team in the league. Yeah. And his longest reception is 12 yards. So he clearly just is not able to power that offense right now. And part of it probably... Eagles are fortunate to get them when they're going to get him this year. That is true. And also, part of it is, like, you know, when the receiving options are as bad as they are right now. Like, you know, the defense can kind of key in a little bit more on Saquon um, than they would otherwise. So uh, I think that's part of it. But... Uh, the commanders are also very good at stopping the run. Uh, so that's certainly not uh, a good recipe for the Giants. I'm, I'm thinking about... By the way, they flexed yes. what, the, the, the Dolphins-Chargers game, I yep. think it was. Yep. Week 14, which... In, uh, California. Boom! Did not want to have that have the Eagles-Giants game flexed to Agreed. Sunday Night Football. I'm very thankful to the football gods for keeping that as a 1 o'clock game. I think the Giants... That drive from North Jersey back to... The Philly area at three in the morning, dude, that sucks after like covering a game all night and being up all th- like that. That drive is not fun. So thank you, football gods, for not 
uh, for not putting that on me. I think you can thank the Giants too. I think them losing their last two games <laughs> yes. has given the the yeah. like vibe that yeah. oh yeah, this team isn't actually that good, so we're not going to put right. them on a primetime spotlight, especially when the Dolphins have not really had that focus as much this year. And mm-hmm. it's it's Tua versus Herbert. Like obviously, to me, it's a no brainer. But then primetime, yeah, why not? Um, all right, Colts. smaller markets, but but a better game. Yeah, uh, Dolphins are fun. They're they're scoring a ton of points. Sure, why would you not want to watch that team right now? And Tua might be MVP. Like he's 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 in that conversation. Um, Colts at Cowboys. I mean, this just feels like a lock. The Cowboys, like often a defensive line, Micah Parsons is going to wreck anything the Colts are putting out there on their offensive line. Uh, Cowboys can do enough to limit Jonathan Taylor and just go after Matt Ryan all game long. Uh, I'm not taking Jeff Saturday here. Uh, give me the Cowboys. It's it's a pretty. It's on Sunday Night Football. Um, I'm not scared what of is Dallas. The line on that? 11, 11 points. Cowboys are 11 point uh, favorites. Mm, it's a big line. Uh, okay. Take the points then. I'm going to, I'll take the points. I'll go okay. 11. I'll take the, I'll take the 11. I think that there's, there's a backdoor cover here. Okay. Um. Yeah. That Cowboys Giants game was closer. I thought than the score indicated Dak making a lot of bad decisions this year. I feel like or bad throws. He's been picked off, you know, a decent amount. Um, yeah. Uncharacteristically, I think for him, for his career, I don't know if that's just who he is now or, or we're having a weird year or what. Um, I said it's the RJ. I, I've had so, uh, just enough of the OBJ reports. There's been like a billion reports. <laughs> just sign them or don't sign. Like why are they, why do we yeah, have to, like yeah, fifty yeah. reports and like <laughs> I think OBJ is is uh, is is eating that up a little bit. Oh sure, and but it's just like it's all 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 it is leading to is like no way living up to the hype. He wasn't even that good last year when he got on the Rams. He had five touchdowns. Yeah, but he averaged like eleven point whatever yards per catch, and he got hurt. And he's, that's the thing. He's coming off an ACL tear in mid-February. Like, this is right. not an amazing... Anyway, whatever. Um, I think the Cowboys win. Although... By, by the way, I love the report that uh, Jerry Jones, unfazed yes. by the airline incident where... Yeah. I guess there's a, a couple different stories floating around here. Probably it's probably somewhere in the middle where OBJ probably wasn't super cooperative. Uh, you got to use the term allegedly, <laughs> Jimmy. You got to cover yourself. <laughs> allegedly, uh, wasn't super cooperative. Did wasn't like didn't have a seatbelt on. Well, who who knows what exactly? I don't think that I don't think the airline is. I don't think the airline they're they're bringing the the plane back to the gate just yeah, because no he reason. had something over his head and didn't have a seatbelt on, right? <laughs> and like anyway, yeah, like airplanes um, love to do that, right? Just to like stop the whole plane for no good reason. <laughs> but I love the idea that 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 Jerry Jones is unfazed by that. Of course. Oh, really? Because he also wasn't unfazed when Greg Hardy assaulted uh, a woman by throwing her on a yeah. on a sofa full of guns. I disagree. So I go, oh, really? He wasn't unfazed by a guy who didn't have a seatbelt on. I think he was. It was like that was like. Oh, actually, now we definitely have to sign him at this point. I think he actually made him more enticing. <laughs> right. Oh, this guy is a cowboy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, he fits in here. Um, <laughs> That brings us to so we're you're taking the points, but you're taking the Cowboys to win, right? Yeah, you said backdoor cover. Are you there? Hello? Well, I can't hear Jimmy, so that's not a good thing. But I will for John. Um I am here. I'm back. Oh, okay. Where would you, where did you go? I don't know. I just lost I lost Are you there, there for a second for a minute. Yeah. I can hear you now. I you I, I hid your video, so okay. I, that's not clogging up my uh the speed of the uh, internet, I guess, okay. right now. Thank you. 
Well, Rachel, uh, if you want to cut that out, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Um, eh, leave it in. It's at the end. These are these, well, these, these are the diehards that are still listening. I mean, at this you point. can you Wait, can we... listen to this part, but like maybe some of the dead air. Like cut out some of the dead air. From, <laughs> okay. From like <laughs> yeah. ten seconds for twenty seconds down to like five. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you, Rachel. For by the way, you know, go follow Rachel on Twitter if you haven't, and Instagram and everything already. She does a lot of great work for BGN behind the scenes. Um, even if she's not mm-hmm. on the podcast speaking. Um, at Rachel Monique is how you follow her. Um, so that's R A I C H E L E M O N I Q U E. Uh, give her a follow. Um, shout out to Rachel. All right. Titans at Eagles. The Eagles opened as six and a half point favorites, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that line is well, lines down the line. line. They're, they're only five point favorites right now. So that's oh, dropped. is it okay? Yeah. Who do right. you have in this one? You know what? I was gonna take the Titans at six and a half. I thought I thought that's what it was, but down at five, <laughs> I'm still taking the Titans. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Titans plus five. I think this is gonna be a struggle, but I think the Eagles win. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, it's I think hard I'll not take to right. Five. Like again, they have not allowed more than twenty points since. The buy, so it's the thing. Yeah, it like, could be a low even if game. the Eagles beat them, it just—it's like, are they going to put a ton of points on them? Um, I just—you can win this. Like you can, this game could be twenty-four yeah. twenty and be and still be sort of Great. a comfortable Eagles win. But on the, the scoreboard, it looked like it was close, you know. And I think that's kind of like what the Titans—I think just, that's how the Titans like roll. The points are like so easy to take here. Um, I think the Eagles win the game. I'm going to take the Eagles to win because. Again, like the Titans are not unbeatable. They're tough for sure. And this Eagles will have to work for this win. But I think they're up for the challenge. Uh, I was encouraged by the Packers game overall. I think that was a step in the right direction after uh, losing to the Commanders and then an uninspiring performance against the Colts that I thought was uncharacteristic from the coaching staff, Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen mostly. And I I think that proved to be true. Obviously, the run defense is a concern. But again, it's not like, Okay, the Titans are like running wild on teams and putting up a gajillion points. Um, so I, I don't think it's like that big of a deal in terms of the Eagles are going like, to give up thirty or something in this spot. So and if they do, again, they have the offense to be able to kind of put up some points. I do worry about the Jim Schwartz revenge game. I think that is very real. I recall Jim Schwartz getting carried off the field, and if I'm not mistaken, having his players carry him off the field when yeah, Buffalo yeah, in Detroit. The Lions. Like Jim Schwartz is. Like kind of like a psycho. Like, like I think like he he and and I'm not like criticizing him. I'm just saying like he cares a lot, and I think he's a very intense person. And I don't think yeah. it's lost on him. Not that like the Eagles necessarily wronged him because he, he like ultimately he walked away and like fire him. But I do think there is something to like Schwartz knowing that he got a lot of guff in Philly and kind of wanting to stick that like to the fans and everyone. And regardless if the organization did him wrong, it's yeah. the team that used to employ him. I think he wants to kind of stick it to them. Um. So that does worry me because I think the Titans defense is going to play very inspired football uh, as they usually do. But uh, I will take, I'll take the Eagles to win. I'm going to say like 2017. It's going to be a close game. Might come down to the Jake Elliott field goal at the end. Um, Titans cover, but the Eagles win the game and advance to 11 and one. They really have to keep winning here because uh, they don't have a lot of room for error. If the Cowboys continue to win. And obviously that game on Christmas Eve looms large. Okay. Yeah, I see this as like uh, I I like that twenty four twenty score mm-hmm. that I gave where they're up twenty one twenty and they have the ball and they take a lot of time off the clock and then they kick a field goal 
uh, not to ice it necessarily, but uh, leaving the Titans a you know little time to have to drive the field for for a touchdown late in the game. Again, that's how I would categorize like a sort of comfortable win, but you know, the scoreboard wouldn't indicate it. That's kind of how I see that game going. Any final thoughts, James? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Thanksgiving with uh, the Roach family. Uh, good times with my daughter. My mom came along uh, on Thanksgiving as well. So yeah, my daughter, my mom, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors family. Um, yeah, good times all around. Thankful for family. Thankful for our listeners. And uh, thank you for all, all for keeping me and Brandon employed. Yes, uh, I feel that. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, i don't know i had one and i forget what it was so maybe no shout out um i did want to shout out red crest trick red crest kitchen once again which i previously plugged but uh i want to give them another shout out because mm-hmm. i think they're they're up and coming and i think people should check them out in uh, queen village in philly on six and bainbridge so give that a shot if you haven't already if you're visiting getting a lot of uh i think more than ever maybe because of talking about food so much on the podcast a lot of like dms people uh, big flex by me of people like asking me for restaurant recommendations for when they're they're visiting Philly, which I don't mind re- responding to. So if you uh, are, are traveling to see an Eagles game, including this week against the Titans, uh, hit me up. I can give you some recommendations. Obviously, Woodrow's is the place to go for the cheesesteak. That's just you know I talk about it all the time. Um, but if you need another place, I can I can gladly try to point you in the right direction. And then I appreciate when those people also follow up with how it went. Because, like, I want to know if it was a good recommendation or not. You know what I mean? Uh, so give me some feedback, too, if you yeah. liked it or not. Uh, I appreciate that to, to know if, uh, you know, I should continue to steer people in that direction. Um, but, yeah, that's all I've got. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton, and Instagram, at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram, at Jimmy Kemsky. You can check out at BGN underscore radio for the podcast Twitter account, at Bleeding Green for the blog Twitter account. BleedingGreenNation.com is where you will find my work and the work of all of the wonderful writers we have on staff there. Are a lot of good content up on the site. So BleedingGreenNation.com, check it out. Click all the articles a billion times so we can take over the world. Uh, also, Jimmy Kempsky is on That's right. uh, his work. You can find it at PhillyVoice.com, including his Eagles-Titans uh, matchups column that you should check out. It's kind of go hand-in-hand hand with this podcast. Um, if you're looking to help support the podcast, which is free. But if you help want to help support us, you go to rightsellin.com. You use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order to get the best meat snacks in the game. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house or looking to, uh, you know, maybe connect with a realtor in a different state or you're looking to buy a house, maybe you need some advice, whatever. And if anything in that realm, you want to go to roachrealtors.com to contact Kristen Roach or you can text or call this phone number. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. She's very nice, and I'm sure very responsive. Best realtor in the universe, as voted on by God. So definitely contact her. We will be back with you next week after the Eagles advance to eleven and one. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.